0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I'm really happy that you are joining me today. My guests are pastors Rob and Barbara Gross. Rob and Barbara are the senior pastors of Mountain View Church in Kaneohe, Hawaii, on the island of Oahu, and I had the privilege of having a conversation with them. My family in Hawaii goes to their church, and they are giants in the kingdom. They founded Healing Hearts Ministry. Rob is an author, and they just have such a passion for healing, inner healing, healing of families, and the exponential impact of people being restored to all that God has created us for, invites us into what Jesus died for, the impact that that has globally, in nations, in states, in cities, in neighborhoods, and how God can bring transformation and miraculous healing to regions. So this was a fun conversation. I really encourage you to listen intently. Sometimes we are so excited about the things we feel like God has called us to and we go charging forward and then He interrupts our agenda and takes over with His, and they have a beautiful story of how God did that in their lives and the beautiful fruit that has come from that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Robin Barb, welcome to Sacred Space podcast. Thank you for being here.
1: Great to be here. Glad to be here. I
0: really you. appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. We're on a Wahoo, your beautiful home with an incredible view yeah. in Kaneohe. What a blessing. You guys get to live here. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, we're suffering. <laughs> yeah, right. <We're> suffering, <laughs> for suffering for Jesus. For yeah. Jesus. <laughs> you guys pastor Mountain View Church in Kaneohe. That's true. And yeah, my brother and sister-in-law, Norm's brother Ray and Melody, have been attending here for some time and serve with you guys so we've had the opportunity to come and worship with you a handful of times and uh, you prayed for norm when he was having severe back problems uh, several years ago and he received pretty miraculous healing which was really powerful and rocked his world which was amazing and you have a really special ministry and call so uh, i'm excited to have you here and to have a conversation with you. So I would love, since my listeners don't know who you are, I would love for you to guys to introduce yourselves a little bit and maybe give a little bit of your story. And yeah, and yeah. you've also, you've authored a couple of books and there's all sorts of things we could talk about. So <laughs> wherever you want
1: to start. Okay. Well, um, both of us grew up here on Oahu. I grew up uh, in a small town uh, called Kaneohe, which is where we live now. And Barbie grew up in Pearl City, mm-hmm. you know, which is by Pearl Harbor, or, you know, 1941, way yeah. back then. And uh, we felt called to ministry, uh, gave up our jobs, and moved over to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, wow. Where I attended school at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary for four and a half years. And then we felt, because we're a part of a church planting community, which is actually out of Saddleback Valley Community Church. Um, our church was called Bay Marin Community Church. Okay. And uh, we were a plant of Saddleback. And so we had uh, an, an interesting experience in uh, San Francisco or Golden Gate, Mill Valley to be exact. And uh, it was secret-sensitive hmm. Christianity, Yeah, you know, which is what you know Rick Warren was all about, uh, secret-sensitive, purpose-driven type services. And so... We came back to Oahu and planted, believe it or not, a seeker-sensitive congregation. We had drama every yes. Sunday <laughs> until we actually had, started having emotional drama with people. <laughs> we had drama. We, awesome. we, we had, you know, uh, one-hour-long services that were programmed to the nth degree. Yeah. And one day, this uh, friend named Chuck Klingman... Uh, gave me a prophetic word, which I didn't really even know know was a prophetic word. I would I was plugged into to a pastor's meeting about thirty minutes away from here, and he said, "God has called you to something totally new," and he says, "Why are you doing this secret, sensitive thing when I've called you to, you know?" And I'm thinking to myself, well, "What are you talking about? I don't even <laughs> understand a single word you're saying. I didn't even know what a prophetic word was at that time, yeah. being a Southern Baptist." So we. We're a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. You know, Rick Warren, Southern Baptist in our church plant. We were Southern Baptists. And so he gave us this word and um, things weren't going well with the plant.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: It was a real struggle. And I think the reason why it wasn't going well is because God never intended us to be a part of that kind of church, which is for us, it was an amazing experience. I have nothing but great things to say about Rick Warren. We love him. Um, We love the The seeker-sensitive church we were part of, and we really intended to plant a purpose-driven kind of church, but God had other plans. And I always say He shanghaied us unexpectedly. (laughs) So long story short, things weren't going well, and uh, I thought, well, you know, if we install in the church in the life of the church small groups, because back then cell groups were a big deal, yeah, and there was a woman named Karen Hurston who is offering a seminar on cell groups at a Pentecostal church, First Assembly of God, Red Hill, about 20 minutes from here. Um, One week, uh, I think a, a weekend or something, and so I went there with my mother and listened to her share, and it was really fascinating. I loved every minute of it. And then the leader of First Assembly of God, it wasn't the pastor, but it was someone assigned to that seminar, invited all the pastors to go downstairs to their cafeteria, have lunch, and then when lunch was over, if we felt so led to come up and pray with everyone in the sanctuary. So, you know, we gobbled down our food, and I said, Hey, Mom, let's go upstairs, and we went back up. And here I am, a Southern Baptist evangelical pastor who taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues was not of God. So when I got into the sanctuary, there were people spread out, all pastors mainly, leaders, all over the Sanctuary Mount. Red Hill, First Assembly of God, is a large church. It's a big sanctuary. It's probably the biggest church on Oahu. Yeah. And everyone was speaking in tongues. And so I wasn't horrified, as I should have been, <laughs> given my background. But I sat there, and I just started observing everyone. And it wasn't even an observation with my eyes, you know, because there are people bobbing up and down and (laughs) speaking in tongues and English at the same time. And I started to experience something that I had never experienced before, and that Mm. was the presence of God. Hmm. And I remember leaving that day, saying to myself, I don't want the tongues thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I certainly don't want to be on my knees bobbing up and down like a crazy person. You know, evangelicals don't do that. Right. But I want that intimacy that I saw them have when they were connecting with with the Lord in a very deep level. I could see it. I could hear it. But more so, I could feel it in my spirit. And I was hooked and I wanted Mm. it. So I called a friend who had helped pray, pray through some things that I was struggling with maybe a year before. And I said to him, Dean, you know, I went to this seminar and I had this experience I observed this prayer time and whatnot and and um, oh my gosh can, can you can you help me get tongues now I want to qualify this because I wasn't interested in tongues I was interested in intimacy and I was interested in yeah. the presence of the Lord yeah and I thought well if that's the way to get it right I'm gonna go for it that's no, good so he he, um, he said okay I'll pray for you so over the phone he mm. starts praying for me to get Baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Well, an hour later, (laughs) nothing had happened. So he said, Rob, can I ask you a a question? I said, sure. He said, "Uh, have you ever taught against tongues? I said, oh yeah, absolutely, (laughs) all the time. He said, well, I tell you what, if you repent of that to the Lord, Mm -hmm. something might just happen. So I did that, and instantly it happened for me. Wow, interesting. So I got off the phone, yeah, and you know, um, not very many people that I know have had that experience over the phone, you know, an hour and a half experience. Yeah. But anyway, I was so excited because now I could connect with the Lord like never before. Yeah. And so immediately I started to practice right there in my bedroom after getting off the phone with my friend. Well, Barb walked in the room... (laughs) And, you know, she had not been exposed to any of this. Uh, Neither did she go to the conference or the seminar, nor did she hear my friend Dean pray for me. And so she she had this surprised look on her face.
0: Yeah, what were you thinking?
2: I'm kind of a... Watch and wait, kind of person. So <laughs> yeah. To the though, max. <laughs> even though my eyes may have been bugged out a bit, I thought, well, let's just see. Because if he goes crazy, then I'll know yeah. something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> Will he still be sane? Right. 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 So I'm just observing him. Interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I was like a little kid in a candy store. Yeah. So I had to tell everybody about this newfound presence. Mm-hmm. Not about tongues. Yeah. But about the presence of God. Yeah. And the congregation was 100% evangelical. And so I started scaring Mm. a lot of people by just sharing, you know, what happened to me. Well, God began to change the direction of the worship service. Instead of secret-sensitive one-hour services, our services started going slowly out to an hour and a half and the two hours. And the singing, you know at some, at different times went on and on and on. Yeah. Hands started going up and up and up. <laughs> and there was a mass accidents of about uh, 30 people hmm. at one point. And people just couldn't handle it yeah. in Southern Baptists. And that was very, very painful for me personally. Yeah. And the reason why it was painful for me is because I grew up in a performance-oriented home. Hmm. And so my esteem and worth as a person was directly tied to the well-being of the church wow and so on certain Sundays when things weren't going well on Monday I would be depressed yeah all day I mean she dreaded I think she referred to them as blue Mondays
2: Mm -hmm. It, it was really
1: awful and so but God was cleaning house and preparing us for the next stage but also he was showing me things in my heart that I didn't know even existed yeah. related to performance orientation and uh, that's a whole nother story yeah it's good uh, well yeah, and so.
0: you know and it's his kindness that leads us to those places mm-hmm. right and with such intimate intentionality brings that awareness so that we can be healed right and mm-hmm. step further into what he intended us for mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Barb, before we started recording, you had mentioned that so the, neither of you grew up in Christian homes, correct? correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so share a little bit of that. You grew up Buddhist Right. Home so and, Japanese
2: yeah. family. My mom's a second generation on the island. Um, grandma lived with us for a while until she passed. We had a little shrine in one of the bedrooms. Um, so I would say it was more family kind of worship so my grandmother nor my mom went to church so from the eyes of a child it just seemed like it was you know putting this little bit of rice in this little container and offering up to the shrine daily yeah so kind of more ritualistic i would say i didn't see anyone pray i would see them hold their hands yeah and just bow but i didn't know if they said anything or so i just kind of followed along and I remember uh, at New Year's they would put these things outside the door and have some mochi and tangerines, you know, to decorate the house. And it was all for good luck yeah, or to ward off the evil spirits. So that was kind of the extent of what I understood with Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, funerals, you know, after so many days, the, uh, I don't the priest or whatever his name is, he'll come and say, well, your aunt has a message. And, you know, they would rehearse White Ashes, which is kind of depressing, actually. But um, nevertheless, that was my experience of Buddhism. and I it was
1: really, a, a poem, White Ashes? Some kind of a yeah. poem. Yeah.
2: But I couldn't really tell what was Japanese and what was Buddhist. Yeah. You know, it was probably kind of a mix. Because my mom never said, this is what we stand for, and this is Buddhism, so... Well, I think
1: she was a cultural Buddhist.
2: Right. Not yeah. really a practicing... practicing not a real yeah. practicing Buddhist, right. And so I didn't realize till later that it seemed like obligation to the family was very high. Yeah. And much later I realized that um, Buddhism had more to do with non-attachment. So Rob, you could... Uh, explain a little bit about that, but I realized that in my family, whenever there was some kind of conflict, you detached yourself from people, so we had a big rift on my dad's level, so my dad is one of nine kids, and one of his brothers was, you know, married, and there was something, I don't even know what was going on, something went on with my dad's brother and his wife, and so it kind of split family into two so there was no forgiveness yeah and even how my mom and I would you know at times get into a conflict there's no reconciliation yeah so there was again detachment or we just wouldn't talk about it we'd slough it under the rug and pretend nothing happened yeah and that bothered me to no end because there were times when I felt that she was mistaken or misjudged me, but there was no way to reconcile. Yeah, so that left my heart feeling really empty. So even though my my parents, I would consider them good parents, there was still a big void in my soul. Yeah, and I was looking for something much more real than what I had experienced in my family.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: that's powerful. So how old were you when you uh, met Jesus? Let's see, I think I was about 20, maybe 23, and so I was working in the mall, and there was a gentleman that worked two stores down, and he was in his 40s, I was in his 20s, and he became sort of a, like an uncle to some of us college girls, and became good friends, and one weekend he passed away, hmm. and he was the first person that I knew that was young that passed away. Yeah, he a, he right? a heart attack. Yeah, a heart attack, and it rocked my world because mm-hmm. my only experience of death had been my grandmother's passing. So I thought, oh, when you get old, you die. Yeah. And there was a um, a murder attempt at one of uh, my high school classmates, but other than that, I didn't know anyone that just died, you know, so young. Yeah. And so by that time, I was thinking, what do I do? I don't know how to deal with his death. And I had read, met Rob a year ago, and we had gone out um, to dinner, and I had seen the change in him, in him, because I had known him four years prior, and Mm. he was a different person. Mm. So that change in him caused me to just ask him, can I read some books on Christianity? So he gave me this book by John Stott. I'll never forget. And the, and the book talked about you know, Father, Basic, Son, Basic Holy Spirit. <laughs> and you might as well have spoken in Greek to me because it was all <laughs> over my head. So I just asked him if I could go to his church at the time. And it was a congregational church. And I heard the message. But I think what really ministered to my heart was some of the worship songs. Yeah. Because when he played them in the car, I would start to just yeah. well up with tears. So I think that's how I... First, experience the presence of the Lord drawing me to him.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So,
1: so long story short, I had the, uh, the privilege of leading her to Jesus.
0: Nice. Yeah. So fast so. forward, you know, you guys are married, you're leading this purpose-driven church. Rob has this encounter with the Lord. He starts speaking in tongues and the, the church is moving in that direction. What, What's your journey in all of that?
2: So at that time, interestingly, he would always say, can't you come with me to these things? And I was like, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt God tugging my heart on the family. And at that time, we had met um, Pastor Cal in town, and they had talked about a curriculum called Growing Kids God's Way. So I was on that journey, learning about parenting. And there had been a pastor and his wife, You know, they were much older than us, that came to our church And they had two boys that were teenagers. One had a walk with the Lord, and the other one, they had a lot of trouble with him. And when I also heard them speak about each other, I could tell there was conflict in the marriage. And so that made me a little bit afraid, because I thought, here we are in our early 30s. Is that what we're going to face Mm You know, in 15, 20 years with having conflicts with our kids, where there's somewhat of division. So I thought, well, I didn't grow up with, I grew up with one brother. We have three boys. And I thought, I would better learn how to parent. <laughs> because the only way I know how to parent was the way my parents raised me. And there were yeah. some things that I thought, there has to be a better way. Yeah. So that was my journey into growing kids God's way. So I gathered families together that had children. And we went through the core curriculum, the middle years and the teenage years. It probably took us about a year, a year and a half to go through it. But it really, um, really spoke to my heart. And uh, I began to ask God, do, do I have a greater love for children outside of my family? And I wanted to test that out. Hmm. So I was telling a friend that I wanted to do some substitute teaching work, because at the time, I had been the worship director in church. Hmm. But I had not grown up in, com- in Kaneohe, so I wasn't sure what the community was like. So I went to the school as a part-time teacher and started just applying the principles of um, Growing Kids God's Way. Because they're life-giving principles So how do you relate with children and so forth. And I found that it really works. It really brings life to kids. Yeah. And so it, that led me on to youth ministry, and here we are today. Well, So... Awesome. So you
0: made that that shift in the the churches moving in that direction. I know that at some point you guys um, started embarking on um, just a path of what healing looks like and inner healing and Healing Hearts ministry is uh, something that birthed out of Mountain View as well as others. Would you want to talk, and I and you have a couple of books uh, mm-hmm. that deal with healing. So I would love for you to share a little bit of that. Yeah. journey. Sure.
2: Well,
1: in um, I think it was 2000. Uh, yeah, the year 2000, a contingent of pastors here in uh, here on Oahu went down to Buenos Aires, Argentina to attend a harvest evangelism conference spearheaded by Ed Savoso. And so Mm -hmm. during that conference, um, I was searching for significance. I was searching for um, what God was going to do through me. Because again, I was very performance driven because of uh, the expectations of my family to get. I mean, if I got an A, you know, that's just normal. So I always drove myself um, to no end without rest. I just didn't know how to rest. and um, yeah. So I was very disillusioned, discouraged, even depressed. And so I went down to Argentina seeking purpose. And I remember uh, some of the pastors came back from this um, very well-known shopping district in Buenos Aires with these amazing, shiny, <laughs> very genuine... Argentine leather jackets you know the kind you can take a match and actually burn the jacket it doesn't even burn you know And so three of us three pastors I was one of them we went into that district to look for our jackets and I I did end up buying one but on the way there uh, my friend Dean who I alluded to earlier he um, was stopped in the middle of the shopping district by a prophetic woman a prophetess who was affiliated with or served under Carlos Anacondia, who is known as the Billy Graham of South America. Oh, wow. He's actually led more people to Bill, uh, to Christ than Billy. Wow. I mean, just, you know, incredible ministry of signs and wonders and people coming to the Lord. So she stops him, and she gives him a message. And jealousy welled up inside of me, hmm. or envy. Yeah. And I'm like, man, because everywhere we would go in the world, Dean, would, that would happen to him. <laughs> Prophets would always stop him and give him a great yeah. word. You know, and, yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh, here we go again. <laughs> so then she turned to me. Oh no. And she motioned with her arms as if she was carrying a baby. And she rocked back and forth. And she said, in broken English, you, you're God's bambino. Hmm. God. Loves you. And I actually felt the presence of the Lord because at that by that time I was already accustomed to it, break over the top of my head and I began Mm -hmm. to weep. So my friend Kal Chanen, who's one of the key leaders here in Hawaii, uh, spearheading revival, he said, Wow, Rob, what a great word! And I thought to myself, inside, not audibly. Shut up, gal. What a terrible word! everybody knows that God loves God loves them. I want to know what God is gonna do th- through me,
0: yeah,
1: because my significance is based on the do, not the be
0: yeah and Dang
1: it. <laughs> yeah. It was like I left Argentina yeah. so discouraged. Wow. I was like, oh, my gosh. So that was the year 2000. So anyway, in at the end of 2003, this guy from Detroit, I think his name was Bob Griffin. He was known, he's known as the singing prophet. So he comes to Hawaii. And I was on stage for some reason with a bunch of other pastors. And he began to sing over me. And one of the lyrics was, and I'm not going to sing it out, obviously, but it was, In 2004, God is going to take you off the floor. So when I sat down and I was thinking about this, I "I don't know if I like this word. So when 2004 came around in the spring, I went into full-blown depression for four months. Wow. And prior to that occurring, I had this uh, very disturbing dream. In the front of my house, on the lawn, there were holes dug up everywhere. And then my car was up on jacks. The tires were gone. The the body of the car was being reworked. And the engine was being, I was getting a total overhaul. Like, what is that about, Lord? And then in 2004, I woke up one morning, sat up on the side of my bed, and crumbled back down onto my bed because I was in full... De- I was I was depressed. Wow. I could not function. I was um, Not only depressed, I think I was totally burned out. Yeah. So the elders of our church put me on the sideline for that four-month period, and I transferred authority to our associate pastor. So I had no authority. So I would come into the service, and I didn't have any oomph to do anything, to pray over anyone. I didn't feel... I just it was awful yeah but for four months i had to learn how to rest yeah and so during that time i went up to the elijah up to elijah house in idaho to get prayed over by um amy lincoln sanford john sanford's daughter it's an inner healing uh, ministry called the elijah yeah, the elijah, elijah, elijah house. house elijah house and um, so the morning of our first appointment because you get 16 hours of prayer ministry over a four-day period, and you actually stay there in one of their cabins. I had this uh, startling dream. So I was going up a mountain on a skateboard, powering my way up with my leg, which I think was, well, I'll explain in a second. And then I got off the skateboard or the scooter, and then I went into a cable car, or a gondola, and it took me all the way up to the top of the mountain. So the uh, Amy Lincoln Sanford asked me a few hours later during our opening session um, about God giving me anything. I said, yeah, I had this really crazy dream and sh- I shared it with her. And she said, oh, based on your questionnaire, you know, application that you filled out to get here, it's obvious to me that God has brought you to Elijah House to take you off the skateboard of performance, to take you into the gondola of His grace, And once you leave here, you're gonna learn how to rest and God's gonna take you up his Mm -hmm. mountain and it won't be in your own strength. Mm, And that just absolutely revolutionized or just, uh, you know. um,
2: He shifted a lot, just in those four days. And how, when he came back, he had to deal with conflict in the church. And prior to that, I think you would have just gone the route of people-pleasing. Yeah. Because I wanted to be liked. Yeah. Right? But he was able to still, in love, say no to someone. And I was just really proud of him. Yeah.
1: So, I started thinking to myself, okay, if I'm as beat up as I am, or I was, I wonder how the people are where they're at mm. so i started talking openly during the services about my struggles and people were responding yeah so we, we started to launch a, a ministry and you know we just had these videotapes and you just hum, fumbled our way through showing people the videos and then trying to minister and we, we really didn't know what we were doing but those were the early days mm. of launching our healing hearts curriculum yeah wow which which you know evolved over the years and uh, taking people from a, a place of orphanness,
0: yeah, it's good
1: to a place of sonship and daughtership.
0: Mm, it's so good, so so good. Yeah, it's so interesting because right, we're made for relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And those relationships are fraught with baggage and our uh, family of origin and the experiences we have and generational things. And, and all of that is brought into those relationships. And it's interesting because I was raised in a congregation that was very much, you know, are you saved? Are you reading the word? Are you praying? Then get over it. <laughs> you know, like yeah, old things are, uh, you know, old things are gone. Everything's become new. You're, you're a new creation. Um, and so therefore you shouldn't struggle which left a whole generation of people um, with a lot of shame and self condemnation that they would walk into church. You know, the enemy's number one tactic is isolation, uh, whispering that, you know, see all of them, they're, they are doing great. They're doing great with Jesus. So, you know, they don't have the issues you have or they're not struggling the way you are. And it really paralyzed a whole generation that felt like they somehow were broken. And so what, what God was doing, showing you that by first of all revealing your own brokenness and the healing you needed was also then building a, a, a way in which to start to bring that healing to us and start to allow the Holy Spirit to go deep and into those dark places, into those corners, right? And bring healing and wholeness. Um, to a, that's a big deal it's really powerful and our
1: my personal heart is really to bring that to pastors yeah it's good because as the gatekeepers yes we found that when I opened up about all my junk it gave everyone permission yeah to share their junk and to it's be good. real and we yeah. realized that being real got tra- you know led to transformation yeah and so I started hanging out with, I mean, i was always been hanging out with pastors, but I started discovering they're some of the most wounded people on yeah. planet Earth. And beautiful people, wonderful people who've dedicated their lives to help others, but uh, struggling, and who do they go to?
0: Yeah, because they aren't given permission either mm-hmm. by themselves or by their elder boards or by their staff or by the congregation mm-hmm. to be people, right, first of all and then on top of that in the western evangelical model of church and what we've created it to be mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. even things like positional titles like lead pastor like senior pastor and you're expected to be an anointed teacher and a visionary and a manager of a staff and c- take care of the people and, and and you know financially you know all those things and God, that's not—that's really not a biblical model of leadership. I agree with that. And so yeah. you have this entire generation of pastors that are shouldering all of this stuff and then are fearful that if they are honest about their struggles or honest about their weariness or honest about the fact that they don't have all the answers or are struggling in an area, <laughs> that that's going to be the end, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they tend to... Keep going until they hit a wall, until burnout. I actually I have the privilege of working with a ministry called Soul Shepherding, and they're doctors of psychology and spiritual directors, and um, their whole ministry is to pastors and leaders to avoid make them healthy relationally, spiritually, emotionally healthy, so that their ministry is sustainable. And, and their don't. families are
1: healthy. And their families are because oftentimes
0: healthy. the children, yeah, the first get ones nailed. to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Barb, I'd love to hear more from you. Yes. Um, yeah, so your your passion, your focus has been family. Yes. has been uh, raising family. And um, as you guys have been walking out this ministry and healing hearts and seeing people get healed and now um, doing this, how has that impacted you? Um, Families and how how that plays out in the you know the larger family.
2: Yeah, I think the first seven years we were doing Healing Hearts in our church, three to four times a year, classes about you know twenty people, um, and then we started to shift, realizing that okay they've got gotten a measure of healing, but now we have to pour back into them, yeah. right? Because you can get rid of your pain. From your family but unless you start to put something new in it yeah. you're going to go back to the old pattern yeah so maybe the chain has been broken as in the case of a baby elephant but cut the chain of a baby elephant but he's been tied so long he has a hard time moving forward yeah so parenting is the other part of healing because to healing is really about wholeness right so one is removal Of ungodly patterns of thinking and relating, right, and activity. And the parenting side is about depositing Mm, life giving ways in relationships. Yeah. In how we speak and how we view each other, how we relate, how we reconcile, how we correct. Mm. And so it points to life itself. Yeah, that's good. So, so, um, I've done that a few rounds. Um, I use, um, Gary and Marie Ezzo's curriculum from growingfamilies.life. Um, their core program is about 17 or 18 sessions. So I've done a few rounds of that, but um, my son challenged me. He says, Mom, my generation is not going to tolerate 18 sessions. Can you do it in 10? <laughs> <laughs> so... It's true. I really prayed about it, and I felt like God was saying, "You can do it in ten. Give them the big ideas." Yeah. Because the ESO is going to a lot of detail, which is wonderful. I wouldn't want anyone to miss out on that. But I thought, well, parenting is a lifelong journey. It doesn't yeah. matter if you took it for ten or eighteen. You're going to be doing this for a long time. Right. Even as a, you know, if you have uh, children that are adults, right, you're still an influencer in their life. So, I narrowed it down to ten. And give them three big ideas. And so the first one, I liken it to soil. And God was teaching me a lot through my own planting. Mm -hmm. He said if the soil or the home culture is healthy, right, that seed that you plant will grow. Yeah. And so there are components in the home culture that's very important for kids to experience. And then the middle one has to do with fertilizing, which is your added nutrients, so yeah. that, which is actually wisdom, the further development of wisdom and character. Hmm. And how in do you, the child. In the child. And how do you impart that? How do you bring instruction? And the last part has to do with weed control. How yeah. do you minimize unwanted behaviors? And um, it's usually in the correction process that where children get wounded because if we were corrected somewhat harshly growing up, yeah. Um, then that's how we will naturally parent our children. But uh, children will naturally feel rejected more than corrected, depending on how parents correct them. Yeah. And so I've recently begun to tell the students, you want your kids to love correction. Yeah. Because if you do it properly, ultimately correction is to lead them back to the path of life. So how we do all those components is, it's really important. And at all times, we are actually revealing God to them. Yeah. Right? Whether we're creating this home culture, whether we're imparting, or whether we're bringing them back on the path, we are, we really are God to our kids. Yeah. We're the first, quote-unquote, God that they know when they're growing up. And so, I've, um, yeah, now done it in 10 weeks. They still read 18 weeks worth of lessons. Right. And so I have them do independent work in between. But I think that, um, so in our church, those who have gone through healing hearts have a better chance of sticking with the parenting because their own woundings yeah. of their upbringing have been. Restored. Yeah. So there's really cleanup, and then there's buildup. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, because
0: even even everything that you're talking about is is it's the parallel of our spiritual growth, right? So right. you know, the correction side for our kids mm-hmm. is the repentance side for us. Mm-hmm. And Sorry. but what has the enemy done to even the concept of repentance? Oh, it's condemnation. Yeah. It's repent, you sinner. Yes. It's something that we're fearful of, or mm-hmm. we feel condemnation from rather than it being an invitation that's right right it, we don't recognize it's his kindness that leads us to repentance that's So repentance right. is something that we should run to mm-hmm. not run from that's right so until we receive that until we have healing ourselves that's then right. how can we demonstrate that that's in the context exactly right. of our home right exactly right and so that's that's a really really powerful thing mm-hmm. there
1: there was a, a woman a young woman who um received the Lord in our congregation. And later on, we learned that her home life was really quite disturbing. Um, Her dad wasn't faithful to her mom. They eventually broke up. Uh, You know, I'm referring to Jay. Mm -hmm. And um, just came from a broken home. Latchkey would run away, was living out on the street. Real tough, tough, tough woman. And um, she went through Healing Hearts, and, and also the Growing Kids God's c- Curriculum, and now is championing on um, the Big Island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And her daughters' teachers are blown away at how well her do- how well behaved her daughters are. are
2: mm-hmm.
1: How they're constantly encouraging their classmates, mm-hmm. uh, prophesying to their classmates. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they, they can't believe. Like they, what is the secret? <laughs> why your kids are doing so well. Yeah.
2: They just stand out. They're, they're standing faster.
1: out. But but that's what scripture says, where you're supposed to stand out like shining lights. Yeah. And so I think with um, Barb's curriculum, um, she's actually taught J.D. How, how to speak life to her kids and how to uh, download into their hearts how to do life.
0: Yeah, it's
1: good. Yep, so, but it's slow going, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. because not every family is willing to pay the price of clean up and then train up and build up yeah to actually sit down and go okay this one, this is what it takes yeah to get our family healed
0: mm-hmm. yeah what do you say to maybe um, parents who are beyond that stage of life when their children are small and mm-hmm. they can pour into them in that way you know maybe their kids are college or older and they have they're maybe just getting healed but now they're still seeing repercussions in their kids like how how are you encouraging them and leading them to still be an influence and love those older children well and and um intercede for them in those things
1: i'm thinking of a man who um lives in mililani Mm -hmm. who uh Grew up with a tremendous amount of struggle in his soul. Uh, His dad took a gun to his head when he was little. Wow. Played Russian roulette, and there were actual bullets in the gun. And his masculinity was actually destroyed because the dad constantly told him he was a wimp and Mm. nothing as a male. And so he Mm. literally grew up not being able to pour into his three children. And so as adults today, they've all moved out. And he is slowly but surely mm-hmm. rebuilding relationship mm-hmm. with them, and so I would say to anyone who's listening, to encourage you that it's never too late, because yeah, the Bible good. says if we be, if we sow well, we'll reap well. Yeah, that's right. good. And so start, you know. Yeah. And, and so he he's doing Zoom now with them mm-hmm. and their spouses, and gosh, it's been it's been really hard. You know, they're so anti-conservative and. Ultra left and don't want to hear anything he has says you know as a conservative, but he is plugging away. He's loving on them. He speaks blessing mm-hmm. over them. He's trying to seek them and pursue them, which is what the Father does with us, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. So and
0: good. And so he
1: he just he's sowing. Yeah. He's in a season of sowing. What else can you do? You know, yeah. but but sow and believe that God there'll be a harvest. Yeah,
0: it's so good. So right. There'll be a
1: shift, That's and right. and yeah. um, you know at one point his children will face their children being teenagers. Yeah, right. And struggling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I believe they'll go so, back to him and say, Hey, Dad, yeah. you know, sorry. Yeah. That we, um, yeah. It's never too late. It's, yes, never, it's never too late. Never, too late.
2: I have a, a gentleman in my parenting class. He took parenting a, a while ago. He had an adopted daughter, um, divorced that first wife, got married to his second wife. Um, had a biological daughter and a stepson, got a divorce there, married a third time, took went through Healing Hearts, took the parenting class, and he is still working to making amends. And I think the hardest part for parents is to realize that they could have fallen short, mm-hmm. even though their intentions were well, because most parents want the best for their kids, their methods were not always the best. Yeah. And so that's where the disconnect happens. And so children are left with wounds in their hearts. Yeah. You know, it's either from something parent did to them, like speaking harshly, or the silent parent who doesn't yeah. say anything. Something they didn't do. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's a great void. Yeah. And so yeah. I've had a lot of parents take the class that have adult children, and they are... As they, uh, like I said, got healed themselves, they realized the patterns they had while raising their kids. And now through the growing kids curriculum, they realize this is what I need to start doing. This is Mm -hmm. where the void has been in my home. And so they are pursuing their kids. And that's so beautiful. That's powerful. And
0: that's really fascinating too because I think some people would probably look at a growing kids curriculum and go well my kids are grown it's too late for that you know so they wouldn't even consider taking that but to even be on that other side and still go I'm, I'm gonna I want to take this and learn you know mm-hmm. the, maybe the places that were deficit or what my blind spots were or what the things were that maybe could have been better and then mm-hmm. be able to come back around and that's why um, right. I still provide those things
1: I think one of the things that we try to on the other end of the spectrum try to say to the adult kid and or the teenager mm-hmm. is go back and talk to your parent Yeah. and discover what their childhood was like. Yeah. And then we think you'll learn real quickly that your parent or parents did not intend, mm-hmm. purposely intend to hurt or wound you. Yeah, they were good. parenting you out of their childhood experience yeah. and how they were parented. And then when you come to that realization that they weren't purposely trying to wound you, it'll be easier for you, albeit it'll still be challenging, Mm -hmm. to forgive them. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think the light bulb goes on for a lot of people, you know, we we encourage them to go back to their parents and make things right. But we found in our culture that a lot of times it's hard for the parents to go to their adult children Mm -hmm. and apologize. yeah. Once, because there's a lot of shame and guilt and condemnation. and So it's really a process yeah. of um, being healed up.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, so. Well, thank you, guys. This has been fun. It's been a great conversation. and uh, I learned a lot. And uh, I just appreciate... Um, I think I said... I don't know if I said it in the beginning or maybe it was when I prayed before we started, but I... I'm grateful for how you are stewarding the things that God's entrusted to you and Thank you. Um, the place that you're standing and the things that you're carrying and the obedience with which you're stepping forward and moving and, and leading. So God bless you and your ministry and um, praying for provision in every way emotionally spiritually physically financially practically you know in all the ways so god bless you thank you thank you you thank you yeah thank you so much appreciate you. you So before we move on and go about our day, I want to hone in on a couple of significant things. When Rob was sharing his personal journey and story of healing, he talked about how his significance was rooted in do not be. In what he was doing for the Lord, his achievements, his success or failure directly related to his sense of significance in the kingdom, his sense of significance and worth to God. But that beautiful story of that dream and that vision and that invitation of the Lord to say Rob, get off the skateboard of performance and step into the gondola of grace so I want to ask you right now wherever you are however long you've been walking with Jesus can you relate to that? can you relate to that place of striving that place of working of trying to prove to yourself to jesus to the people around you that you're worthy of sitting in church on sunday morning or serving him or leading worship or just having a relationship with jesus do you find yourself Trying harder, working more, serving more, full of shame or frustration that you fall short, hearing the whispers of the enemy saying, Who do you think you are? If that's you, I want you to take a moment and be still before the Lord and ask Him to reveal those areas in your life those areas of brokenness to quiet your heart so that you can hear the invitation that He's extending to you So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for your sons and daughters, for those that are sitting in that place right now, those that have grown weary, who have been working so hard in their own strength. Father, would they hear your tender voice saying, you're my bambino. (laughs) You're my boy, you're my girl. And Father, would you, would this right here, right now, be the beginning of a journey of discovery, of your love, of your healing, of your grace. And we ask all of this in your mighty name. Amen. There are so many more things that I would love to dwell on, but those things require going a little deeper and really um, seeking out what the Lord is saying and what He's speaking to bring healing to our hearts, to our families which in turn will redeem legacies and bring redemption and healing to the cities and regions and nations. So I encourage you, whatever things the Lord may have stirred within you during this conversation, during this podcast, be obedient with those things ask him what he would have you do what are the next steps he would have you take you can email us reach out to us reach out to your local pastor you can reach out to pastors bob and rob and um, several healing ministries around but don't neglect the prompting of the spirit I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space podcast, this conversation with Rob and Barb. And if you want to learn more about Mountain View Church and Kaneohe on Oahu, you can click the link in the episode notes. And I really encourage you, if you live there or if you're going to go on vacation, you need to drop by and visit them. They're an amazing church family and you will be blessed. Also, Rob's books you're my bambino from dysfunction to destiny and heal the man heal the land are now available on amazon or you can click the link in the episode notes below if you would like to support the production of this podcast, as well as other projects from Stockton Ministries. You can click the link in the episode notes or go to our website, stocktonministries.com, and click the donate button in the top right-hand corner. And the Dwell Meditations are available for free, streaming on all your streaming sites. So if you want to get some time with Jesus and be intentionally in his presence, meditate on his word in a different way, in a way that's going to allow you space to really let the Holy Spirit um, speak to you through the Word, Uh, I just encourage you to get those. I hope you have an amazing week, that you know that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved. See you next time in the Sacred Space.